When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Uplifting Impact Podcast. I am so excited to be here today with Heather Holland. Heather consults with corporations and business owners implementing the firm's mission to help solve business issues for some of the most complex issues around people and HR matters. She is a trusted advisor with over 15 years experiencing delivering around diverse people, organizations, and business solutions while strategically partnering to create healthy workplace cultures where individuals, teams, and organizations can prosper and flourish. Now, Heather, you told me how you got it. Welcome, first of all. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Deanna. I'm excited to be here on your podcast, Uplifting Impact. Thank you so much. And, you know, when we were talking, you told me and shared with me how you got into diversity, equity, and inclusion work, because you actually focus on a lot of different things, a lot of different kinds of company, Mm -hmm. but you have a a real niche around energy, manufacturing, education, and transportation. But I was fascinated Mm -hmm. with how you ended up kind of making, taking something that you already were doing because you had a passion about it, but then translating that into what you do all the time. Can you share with the audience, like what that story is? about and how it happened. Yeah, how I sort of segued into what I say is maybe informal diversity, equity, and inclusion into more something more formal, working like you said in manufacturing, especially in steel, um, in energy and in the pipelines and power generation, you know, two kind of very industrial industries that sort of make our country work where they're historically and still is very little diversity. So being one of few or one of the only, you know, one, I was just sort of tired of being the only one. Um, And two, in a lot of those cases, being a leader myself, you know, being able to sort of push boundaries and status quo to say, why can't we, why isn't there more uh, diversity here? So whether it's been, you know, my sort of approach was really to look at through through networks, through friends and contacts and say, do you realize what type of opportunities exist in manufacturing energy? And here's the requirements that it takes, because I think a lot of times some of that is lack of knowledge or not being able to understand how your existing skills can actually transfer over to that industry where people may not think that they apply. And then also even communicating some of what those challenges might be. So for example, working in A pipeline, sometimes you need to be able to live within a 30-minute radius of a pipeline. Most pipelines are tend to be rural and and outside the city. So um, is that an adjustment you're willing to make? And where is that that sort of opportunity? Throughout my career, wherever I saw an opportunity to either bring DE&I into the organization or and or advocate within the organization, I took that opportunity. And so when I one of my prior roles at TransCanada, I started their um, inaugural diversity and inclusion program. So some of our listeners might not know what TransCanada is. Can you just explain a little bit? Because I, I think they probably do know, but don't know they know. Yeah, and, and this was what and this you and thank you for that that reminder because this was something that I would do a lot of times in in outreach 
to, you know, communities around, do you even know who Trans Canada is? A lot of people do not. Trans Canada, which now goes by TC Energy, which is a different, uh, changed their name a little bit. If you've ever heard of Keystone Pipeline, Trans Canada or TC Energy is a company building Keystone Pipeline. So a lot of people don't associate the two with sort of being one and the same. And so around that, if you basically a pipeline, there's lots of them throughout the U.S. Most people have no idea where they are. They may have gas or oil, natural gas or oil or water or something. But this was an oil pipeline from Canada down to the U.S., and there was a little bit of controversy around this, this sort of little but not so little pipeline. And a lot of uh, external stakeholders, like members of Congress, asked, what's, asked the company around what's the diversity of your workforce, the diversity of your supply base. You know, there, the answers were difficult to find or weren't really there. And then, voila, the, a, a, a job was born, and, and it was a job that I sort of occupied and, and started the program and worked across the company and both internal and externally, you know, raising awareness and visibility around the energy industry itself, around, you know, diversity and workforce representation, uh, just even communication, outreach and engagement, because I felt like it had to be a holistic approach because it's an industry that gets so little exposure. I mean, it was an industry that I didn't know anything about until I became part of the industry. And it's still very, it's probably less diverse than tech still in 2021. And, and probably, probably it's probably not the right word. It is less diverse than tech. So it is the least diverse industry. And there's a push to change that, but it, it's, it, the push can go a lot faster um, from gender to different people of color representation to LGBTQ, it, it lacks in all of those areas. And a lot of, I think that is exposure, but sometimes there's also some challenges in some of those roles in some of the industries to where I use offshore as an example, where you might be set working seven days in the middle of the Gulf, and then you have seven days off. But if you think about, yeah, the pay will probably be very well. Um, and you, it's great to get those seven days off. That's part of your schedule. So that's not even vacation or personal time. But those seven days that you're working, when we think about, you know, if you're what a does single that mean? parent, yeah, what does exactly. that mean? who takes right. care of the kids, well, who picks up the mail? What about those errands you need to run during the seven days? How do you find childcare? What if your child gets sick? It's not like you can just run to daycare and pick them up. So a lot of that is that the knowledge is power and figuring out where you fit and even what your skill sets that when you're existing industry and how can that transfer across industries. And I think those are some of the different ways where you can increase uh, representation and not just energy, but outside of that particular industry. So one of the you know things that I hear in some of these spaces, so tech, you know, mm-hmm. manufacturing, some of some of the the spaces that are traditionally overrepresented by certain groups and very underrepresented by others, right. is well, we can't diversify because we don't have any places that we that we can go to, and people don't come into this field, you know, from diverse populations, and that's that's always a I hear that right, I hear that yes. literally every single time there's some kind of an, an engagement, somebody asks the question or somebody uses mm-hmm. I know you hear it because this is where you spend most of, most of your time so how tell me how to respond when people when people when people uh bring that up I do hear that all the time and I guess the my instinctual response which is not always necessarily the most professional response that's that's bs there is if you you put forth the effort to where you really if you 
are interested, you really put forth some effort. You have to put forth some more effort. I mean, some of those industries, energy, for example, is one where a lot of times people in the past will hire word of mouth. Of course, the obvious where you can go to HBCUs um, from an educational standpoint and, and looking for new grads, but there's lots of opportunity. I really just think it takes you know, that leadership and going back to the broader strategy to say, if that broader part of that broader strategy is to say, we want to increase representation, what are some different ways to increase representation? Let's one, ask our existing employees, because, you know, even if you you may all physically look alike or be the same gender or same ethnicity, there's also difference of background and, and thought. But there's other ways to do that besides, you know, your college recruiting and there's sure. your associations, building those networks. And a lot of that, I think, too, is, again, back to the education awareness about the industry. So, you know, I think some, when the, the when I work with leaders in an organization and that response or even HR and recruiters and talent acquisition, well, we can't find anybody. Well, let's let's sort of peel some of the layers back and and, and see where you're looking, right? And see where you're looking. What's the right. approach? Because right. how um, do you share the information? How what, do you share the information? Right. Do you, how much information do you give them? Right. Uh, what you know? What do you do if you? What assumptions are you making? Right about what people already know or don't know about the roles and where they see themselves? How are you even advertising it? That's my question too. Like, right if if I look at a brochure and nobody looks anything like me, nobody's had any similar backgrounds to me, I am already going to self-select, right? That I, that I'm not going to interview for that position. Cause I, I don't see how there could be a role there. Right. You, you, you have to see how you fit in, whether that is from a sort of visual perspective or even from a skill perspective. If, if, you know, even in the, the job posting, you, you don't sort of reference my skills or, or I have, you, you're looking for a communications job and I have a communications experience, but you say you have to have energy industry experience. Well, if I can't get into the industry, how do I get the industry experience? And from a communications perspective, is the industry experience really that important? So some of those are some of the questions and challenges where when I work with leaders that I really push back and ask them those questions when you're either developing job description or even recruiting and even in the interview process, what's really important? What's a need versus a want? What's also realistic? What's not? And, And also recognizing where times may have changed, where maybe Five years ago, you could ask for energy experience, industry experience, but you know, there's typically not a energy university where people can go <laughs> get the industry, the experience. So you have to look for some sort of transferable or similar uh, skill sets. So that that is and I love that you for me that yeah. we can't find anybody. You're not trying. And I I think that's really interesting because what you just shared in in your response is not only what organizations can do, but also the way that we frame up, you know, for potential candidates and the way that we can be framing it up, right? So as we're mentoring or guiding people who are coming from different backgrounds to also be thinking about their skill set in transferable ways, right? So we want the employers to be thinking about transferable skills and we should also be encouraging individuals to be thinking about transferable Mm -hmm. skills and how they might apply those. And I I feel like that disconnect, you know, that's always an interesting disconnect because I think organizations don't spend enough time going back and like going through each one of those lines to really Mm -hmm. see like, is this really necessary? Is this? And I also think that as individuals, right, we don't train people to see their own experiences as transferable and to talk about them in a way that allows for other people to, to see that too. And so you end up, you know, kind of 
again, self-selecting on both, on both sides away from what your stated objective is. So I think that's, that's so interesting, right? Definitely. I I think that's, that's probably one of the biggest ways that as individuals, we can have an impact on our own career and even in the DEI and leadership space is learning um, how to sort of either brand yourself or learning how your skill sets, how do you package your skill sets? And then how do you even repackage them for a different industry? So one of the, the sort of things that I also do as a HR and DEI consulting is career coaching and development and talent management and, and focus with a specialty on um, high potential and, and senior leaders. And, and sometimes, you, you know, and I like to use the fa- phrase where, because you, you get you get sometimes beat up a lot in an organization, but one person's poor performer is another person's star. It's mm-hmm. really the, the perspective of as you know your boss or that leader, how they see you, but more importantly, how do you see yourself and how do you present yourself right. in a job interview um, or internally or externally? And that's the I think the biggest the sort of challenge, but also the biggest opportunity that can sort of propel you even further. So some other kind of questions that I have, I'm I'm so fascinated, right? When I get to talk to people who have specialties in particular industries. So when you think about like some of the the other challenges, like one of them, you know, you've mentioned a couple, right? That that relate to um, being in these manufacturing, you know, energy kind of these, these spaces. Are there other things that are happening that you're seeing within those industries as a whole that are getting in their way, right? That Mm -hmm. are getting in their way. They have some stated DEI objectives. They're trying to march towards them, but they keep getting stuck. Where are they getting stuck, Heather? And why? I think that a couple of different areas where companies, I think, get stuck. And and it's not always necessarily industry specific, Mm-hmm. I think the, you know, the, the senior leadership CEOs in the C-suite, there's this tendency to, to always look around the corner over the shoulder to say, what are they doing? And internally, you know, being that business partner and that coach to, to those C-suite, why does it matter? We have a plan. We develop our strategy. Yes, you want to have some industry kind of insight, but everybody's too scared to sort of lead the pack. Everybody wants to stay in the middle. Pick pick a stance and, and go for it. Do you want to be average or do you want to lead the pack or do you want to lag? And those are all strategies. There's not necessarily any wrong anything wrong with either one, but I think it's picking a, a stance to do it because and why I focused and started there with the CEO and the C-suite because from a DE&I perspective, I believe is leadership. It starts from the top. And, and that the, the advocacy, the direction you want to go, how vocal do you want to be? Like, I like Ben and Jerry's, for example, for, for their DNI. If you look at their, their tweets, whenever there's an issue, they're, they're very clear in their position um, on social justice. They don't have a problem clearly being leaders of the pack. They don't necessarily worry about what everyone else does. Now, others may follow them because they've chosen to lead. So I think in some of those 
um, especially industries where they're a little bit more conservative, like in energy or manufacturing, um, they get hung up with worrying about what their peers are doing because they don't want to lead the far, the pack go too far out. And some, yes, you may have a board to answer to, but I think that's another opportunity to one, diversify your board. Because if you look at most boards, there's also very little diversity, especially from a, um, a generation and a, and a sort of thought process where it just even we've been dealing with the pandemic, the, the questions around remote work versus returning to the office. And I can't tell you how many times I'm still hearing that there are certain leaders who want people to return to the office because they feel like you get more work done. And that's how you really engage when it's already been proven in most cases that work can still be done outside the office. But I think that's a, that's a huge gap and a missed opportunity if you say 100% back to work. But how do you begin to shift that thought process? So if your board is, is sort of saying, yes, bring everyone back to work as is the C-suite, but then there's a disconnect in most cases with the, a, lot, a larger part of the workforce. And it seems to be a lot of times across generational lines. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's so, I think, yeah, that's, no, I was just going to say like, you're, you're, you're right, right? Like this idea of leading the pack versus being in the middle versus, mm-hmm. right? And, and actually asking that question. And I, right. I think that that's a really, I mean, if you don't already, or that's a great question for our listeners. That's a great yep. question for right people who, who come to us looking for support. Well, where do you want to be and why do you, do you want to be at the back and in the middle or the front? Now here's Heather. I will always be like, get in the front, right? <laughs> we need more people in the front. Let's go. Right? right. But, but I understand there are, there are people who have different you know, levels of understanding and comfort and right. you could, you know, and before you can get to the front, you got to know who you are. So I wouldn't brush everybody there. Right. But right. I want you eventually to want to want to be at the front of the pack. So that's a really, I think it's a really excellent question. All of us should be asking, where yeah. are we? Where, where do we, we? want to be? Yep. Where are we and where do we want to be? And I think, can you recognize where mm-hmm. your company is? Are they a leader do they sit in the middle of the pack and do they lag? And then where do you fit in relative to that? Or where, where, you know, your thought process is it relates to your own career. Right. And I think that helps people. Sometimes they're, um, it's not a good fit and they don't recognize it. And they keep trying to push, keep trying to climb the ladder, get promoted and keep looking over it and don't understand. Sometimes it's just not a fit. You're not necessarily meant to stay in that space. Um, for a period of time, you may have outgrown it. And I think being able to recognize the company and their approach and, and where they do they lead the pack and where you at in that phase, because even individually, it changes. Sometimes I want to lead in my career. There's other phases and other times where, you know what, I'm comfortable in a department or a company or working with a client where they're middle of the road. They're just trying to get built. They're in that building phase where they just need to kind of be steady Eddie. Sure. Absolutely. Well, that is a great question. I hope all of you ask yourselves that question, ask your companies that question, really kind of get some clarity because I think that clarity will help not only define like what your next steps should be, but also define potentially where you, you know, move in your leadership role. So Heather, this has been such a lovely conversation. Um, And I'm just wondering if our listeners are looking for you and they want to get some more information, what, what is it that they should do? Well, there's a couple different ways. You can go to my website, which is Holland, like the country, 
Energy Consulting, all one word. And there is information there about a variety of services. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, Heather Holland, as well as Holland Energy Company. Uh, you can email me and actually even text at 713-265-7762, which is also on my website. But probably the, the, the easiest, most direct is via website, email, or LinkedIn. At Fantastic. Well, thank you so much uh, for being with us today. What we are going to do is make sure that all the contact information that Heather just provided, that we put it in the show notes. So if you miss something, you'll be able to get it there. Heather, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for being in the thank sector you. and trying to diversify uh, with, within the sector and also support people in the work. We really appreciate you. Well, thank and- you for having me and thank you for all that you do and, and the energy that you bring. I love it. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So for those of you who are listening, we so appreciate you too. Thank you for, for joining us for another episode of Uplifting Impact. We do hope that you're able to take these ideas and grow with them and that you will share the podcast with your friends and with your coworkers and anybody else who you know is interested in making the world a more inclusive space. We hope to see you, hear you, be able to hear from you uh, in between the shows, but really, really excited to be able to continue the conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion and leadership here on the Uplifting Impact Podcast. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.